Hey there, and thanks for downloading the pod for this Wednesday, November the 4th. Coming up, we'll talk about Ontario's new billion-dollar investment in broadband and cellular access, plus the latest on the U.S. election, and also the OPP warning of an increase in porch pirates thanks to an increase in online shopping. All of that coming up next here in the podcast. Okay, big, big announcement from the provincial government. You heard it right here on Global News Radio. $1 billion in building more broadband in this uh, province to help people that have uh, got issues when it comes to broadband and Internet, basically get Internet to uh, everybody, even in the most remote of areas. Here's our tech expert, Adam Oldfield. He joins us here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Adam, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. First off, your take on this billion, that's with a B, dollar investment. Uh, you're the expert in this area. You tell us. I mean, we've been talking about this for the last uh, month or so, about uh, Elon Musk getting the go-ahead from the CRTC for satellite uh, Internet. Do we really need to be investing this much in broadband infrastructure right across the province if eventually one day, maybe one day soon, we're going to be getting our Internet from you know outer space? Uh, great question. And, you know, the first thing I thought was, wow, $1 billion a little too late, uh, and that's a lot of taxpaying money to contribute to this. Uh, listen, it, you know what? In one breath, uh, you know, our premier had a lot of responsibility, a lot of pressure for communities in the north. And, and as we discussed in previous uh, uh, programs, yes, it is It is required. Is it a, It's a great backup plan. I mean, you know, truthfully, uh, an investment to make a partnership with a satellite similar to what uh, Starlink, which is Elon Musk's project that they were uh, launching across the country, um, I think it's, a, it's, it's fantastic that this is something that is necessarily required uh, because as much as we love to trust satellites are going to work great, we still need infrastructure like towers and so forth. That $1 billion investment is definitely critical. Uh, and I, I think I brought this up before is the fact that what level of technology are we installing um, from the one billion commitment? And that that sounds like a lot of money, but it's not really. I mean, we have a very large province that needs a lot of coverage. So, and if we're trying to cover it from Algonquin Park all the way to the North Thunder Bay, uh, you know, not you know, we know that the lower uh, uh, populated areas are, are covered. But this is uh, an investment that I, I do question: Are we putting infrastructure in the proper means? Uh, would proper research be done in satellite elements? with regards to our technology, um, I think the government did the right decision. They need to make the decision that has to create some sort of a broadband cellular, and where we were talking earlier about the satellite, that's only for Internet. So the cellular component, which is communicating, uh, you know, uh, phones and otherwise to be able to communicate through that communication definitely is required. Satellite will be great when it comes to exclusively data. Um, so it's a much needed investment. I'm glad the decision was made. Uh, however, the time to roll it out and the level of what broad brand, broadband uh, technology or frequency they're rolling out, they didn't declare what that was. Was it going to be 4G, 5G? Um, what kind of investment of technology is it going to be? Ericsson, Nokia? Those are big questions um, because $1 billion isn't going to go very far if you're buying a lot of Nokia 5G equipment. All right. Meantime, there's a new survey out today that uh, I think just confirms what a lot of us know and feel, that uh, we are paying and paying dearly for Internet in this country. 
Telus, Bell, and Rogers lead the world in charging customers when it comes to a internet. This is from a firm, Adam, called Rewheel in Helsinki, and it shows, their analysis does, that Canada, we have got the most expensive monthly prices for internet access in the developed world. 100%. And I think this has been constantly one of those areas of which Canada has been uh, one of the losers. I say congratulations, Canada. You've won first place for the most expensive data. Um, our neighbors just in the south and, and you know, put politics aside, uh, the level of what you can purchase uh, in the United States is is just unbelievable for the uh, depth of data that is uh, available for you. So when you take a look at Canada, there's certain provinces like Saskatchewan and Thunder Bay and even Quebec for that matter, where there is uh, yeah, SaskTel or T-Baytel, um, you can actually get cheaper internet pricing uh, in the provinces of Manitoba and Saskatchewan. Um, why is it Ontario, uh, and, and I mean across the country for that matter, but those independent operators are still being uh, com- uh, very competitive uh, against the Rogers and the Bells. Um, and really, we have three choices. <laughs> There's only three options available to us. They're all competitively priced at the highest rate. Um, and the one thing that I know the Liberal government claimed in their last election was we were going to see a decrease by 25%. Well, 25, maybe this is just maybe the strategy from a sales side. Increase the rates, have it so expensive, so when they do drop it by 25%, it's actually now in a mid-range of, a, of where the rest of the world is paying for it. Yeah, so, but meantime, Adam, we're paying on both sides, right? We're paying the most when it comes to the developed world for Internet right now. And on top of it, we've just heard, as we mentioned off the top, that taxpayers are investing a billion dollars in infrastructure. So we're helping you build this, and then we're not even getting any thing on the other end when it comes to a price break. That's right. Yeah, we're, we're going to be getting it on both sides. It's going to hurt on both angles when it comes to the cost of our pocketbook. Uh, and honestly, uh, I think we need to see a little more pressure from the CRTC and the federal government with respect to why this is not something that just was brought up, Jeff. This has been an ongoing years, not like two years, three years. This is a five-year uh, consistent Canada has been a leader when it comes to the most expensive and truthfully, not even the fastest internet. So as developed countries as we are, we're still not even truly adequate when it comes to the highest speed when it, in Internet. So there's many, many areas, and that $1 billion investment from the, from the government is going to take those areas that only have 2G, and yes, there is such a thing as 2G, um, in moving it into a higher bandwidth capacity, but we're not there yet. And it's going to take years to be able to create that infrastructure at the taxpayer's dime, and in the meantime, the rest of us are going to have to continue to suck it up. So there needs to be a breakdown. Somebody's got to kick in the door at the CRTC and go, hello, wave the flag. Canadians are suffering. We need a little more than 25%. Someone's got to get on this and not in two years from now. This needs to be done now with the, all of the pandemic going on right now. This is extremely critical. It has to be addressed. All right. I have to uh, stop this conversation because my blood pressure is uh, rising. Uh, Adam Oldfield, appreciate it as always, my friend. <laughs> My pleasure. Sorry about that, Jeff. Take a deep breath. Relax. That's right. Absolutely. Adam Oldfield with us. As I mentioned, breaking news when it comes to the U.S. election. First, we're getting projections from CNN, among others, that Joe Biden is now the winner of Wisconsin. So he'll take the Electoral College votes in Wisconsin. So news breaking that Biden again wins the state of Wisconsin. And also, President Trump 
has just filed a lawsuit in Michigan to try to halt, sorry, vote counting in that state. Here's a Dave Meslin. He is the author of Teardown, Rebuilding Democracy from the Ground Up, and he joins us now here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Dave, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, good afternoon. Thanks for having me on the show. Okay, Biden leads by 50,000 votes in Michigan, and Trump is trying to argue that uh, his campaign observers should be in there uh, counting those mail-in ballots or at least uh, observing or or watching it go on. Does he have a case here, do you think, Dave? Well, I mean, I'm not on the ground there, so I don't know to what degree he, he, he does have access. I would be pretty surprised if his campaign didn't already have access, I think he's just playing games and, and grasping at straws. But I would I would agree with the premise that any campaign in any election should have physical oversight over the counting. But any election I've been involved with, uh, I've seen that, and I'd, I'd be surprised if the rules were, were being broken in, in Michigan or, or anywhere across the U.S., Okay, I want to get your take on, we're going to play a bit of Trump from very early this morning. This was just after 2 a.m. when he came out to make a uh, statement and uh, had uh, this uh, to say. This is a fraud on the American public. This is an embarrassment to our country. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election. Okay, as somebody who has studied democracy... (laughs) Yeah, Dave, give us uh, your take. I think we might have just got it there uh, on that uh, statement from early this morning. You know, it's actually a really hard question for me to answer in a way, because obviously what he's saying is ludicrous. There's still votes to be counted, and everyone knows that. No one's won this election yet. On the other hand, I agree with the overall sentiment that our elections in some ways are rigged, not for the reasons Donald Trump is talking about, but for the reasons that Americans are usually only given two choices in the first place, and only two parties have been trading power back and forth, um, you know, for a century, and it's very similar here. So we use we use voting systems in North America that really limit our choice, and I think that is a bit of a scam. But what Trump is saying there is. Uh, that's, I mean, his statement is fraudulent, and it's dangerous. It's dangerous for to undermine people's faith in the civil servants who oversee our elections. And we're very, um, we're very lucky to, to have neutral bodies that oversee elections, both in Canada and the U.S. So it's, it's, it's crazy what he's saying, but I think we all expect Donald Trump to say crazy things. We've been, we've been seeing it for uh, four years and, and counting. Yeah, but that was my very next question for you, Dave. It's just how dangerous is this to undermine the credibility of the electoral process? I mean, I think it's okay to uh, ask some uh, questions and uh, maybe some tough questions at times about can we do things better? Is this right? And you ask those questions uh, in your book and all the time. But when you are undermining the credibility of the process in the absence of true proof, that is a dangerous thing. Yeah, and it's... It's a slippery slope, and it's a really important distinction to make. So lots of people like myself, we do criticize the legitimacy of the rules and the systems that we've chosen. And, for example, there were four referendums in the U.S. yesterday as part of the um, election to to change voting systems towards a a ranked ballot in, in five cities, actually. And in all five cities, the referendums passed with a resounding yes. So there is a way to constructively criticize the process and then try and fix it. But whenever an election is held on any given day and there's rules 
and the civil service is following those rules, it's so irresponsible for a candidate to suggest that somehow there's, you know, some secret conspiracy and people on the inside working against him. And he's essentially accusing illegal behavior of taking place and fraud. And if you have a population that doesn't believe in the neutrality of elections, I mean, you could literally end up with riots in the streets and 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 violence and I mean, even assassinations. Who knows? It's it's a it's a really dangerous path to go down. You know, we were asking that question yesterday because uh, a lot of people were speculating. We've all seen on the news, you know, businesses in New York City, L.A. and uh, elsewhere boarded up in anticipation of maybe riots, protests uh, and violence. And do you think we're at a pivotal point in U.S. history when it comes to their uh, democracy, uh, Dave, that uh, this could be the first time we don't see a uh, a peaceful transfer of power, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we can all remember that very divisive and long drawn out process with um, with Bush and Gore. But there was never any any violence. There were a lot of angry people. And there were people in the streets and there were there were protests, but no one no, no one was damaging anything. And at the end of the day, there was a winner and everyone just moved on. So. I think all we can do right now is, is just pray that, that whenever a winner is announced, regardless of whether it's Trump or Biden, that, that aside from a few wackos who hopefully aren't armed, and in the U.S., let's, <laughs> they likely are, but hopefully aside from a few scattered protests, you know, the country just moves on because I think that's such an important concept in a democracy that whatever the results are, whether you like them or not – that's what it is. If, if you don't like the system that got you there, you can work towards changing that, which is what I do every day. But once an election's over, I mean, that's who won. You just have to you you just have to live with it. What I would love to see is reforms that ensure that the that America and Canada moves beyond a system where there's usually just two powers trading power back and forth. Because I think you'll agree that when you have just blue and red. Um, that's what creates such a hostile polarization because then it really looks like a hockey game or a football game where there's only one, one team that can win, one team that can lose, and it just goes back and forth. And if you look at other ways of running elections all through Europe where you've got five, six, seven parties and there's coalitions and there's bigger parties and small parties and break-off parties, you, it kind of takes you away from that mentality that there's just my team and their team. And I think it creates a more um, level-headed um, environment. It might be one of the foundational reasons why we see such a polarized population in the U.S. Uh, these days. Dave, always appreciate the time and the conversation. Thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you. Take care. You as well, my friend. David Meslin is the author of Teardown, Rebuilding Democracy from the Ground Up. Okay, we're a few days into November, holiday shopping season upon us. And because of the pandemic, we've seen a sharp rise in online shopping, not only for the holidays, but uh, obviously throughout the year. And with that, unfortunately, we're also seeing a rise in so-called porch pirates. And joining us for more on this now is Constable Irina Nemagadova. She's with the OPP and joins us on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Irina, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Hi, good afternoon, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Okay, the OPP out with the warning. Uh, tell us about uh, this increase in so-called porch pirates. Uh, theft is really up on people's doorsteps? 
Uh, yeah, just like you mentioned earlier, people are shopping more since the beginning of the pandemic. Plus, you know, Christmas season is upon us. So we, including myself, are shopping more online. And unfortunately, we have noticed that more um, packages are missing from people's porches after they're being delivered. Yeah, do we have a figure on that at all? Is it up, I don't know, like 25%? Um, no, unfortunately, I do not have any statistics available, but just after reviewing our local numbers and local incidents, we've been noticing that uh, we are responding to more incidents in the last few weeks, I should say. Okay, and do people pick this up because they've got security cameras uh, watching their front uh, doors? Because uh, I would normally think if something doesn't arrive on my doorstep, the first thing I would do is contact Amazon or the supplier, whoever it may be, and uh, check if it's shipped or not. Yeah, no, correct. Uh, ring cameras are very popular, or um, any really cameras and home security cameras are popular nowadays. And we have quite a few very active neighborhood watch groups in Caledon, about 14 of them. So people are very vigilant, um, and they started noticing uh, that uh, packages are missing. All right, does those ring cameras or front porch cameras, are they an effective deterrent? Because it would seem to me that these porch pirates are fairly cunning, if you will. They know what they're doing, and they're probably wearing hats, uh, sunglasses, some sort of uh, disguise that basically you can't make the, make out who it really is. Uh, well, yes, and especially now that people are wearing masks, right? So it's um, unfortunately, uh, it's not the best preventative measure, but it definitely assists us in our investigations. As you saw, there is a photo that... Um, is going around of a particular suspect wearing a mask and wearing a uh, red Mickey Mouse jacket. So we received that photo uh, from one of the complainants of a theft such as this one. All right. So how can people then protect themselves, best protect themselves from these porch pirates? Well, number one, I should say, so this particular incident that happened in Caledon, the family arrived and they saw the package on the porch. They went inside just to you know, drop the kids off, remove their jackets, and they uh, came back in moments, minutes later, the package was gone. So I, w- I, number one rule is remove, take the package inside immediately as soon as you see it. Uh, and number two, if you are away, I know I do realize a lot of people are working from home and they're home all the time. Um, ask, if you are away from home, ask your neighbors. Once you receive that notification that the package had arrived, ask your neighbor to take the package inside and do the same thing for them. Um, make sure that you track those deliveries online. And uh, there's a whole bunch of different um, um, porch safes, I should, like box locks uh, that are available online that you can purchase uh, as well if you're interested that would uh, keep your package safe. You know, I have seen those, and I think uh, maybe for a lot of people, if you are doing a lot of online shopping, uh, that's a great investment. You're right. It's basically a a safe for your porch, isn't it? Correct. Yes. Yes, absolutely. But I think uh, that, you know, my number one advice is, like I said, remove them immediately and get to know your neighbors. That's what we encourage for people to do here in Caledon. People are very friendly. For the most part, they know their neighbors. You know, communicate that to them. If you're expecting a package, or receive something. If you're away, ask them. All right, some great timely advice, courtesy of the OPP on online shopping, as it's certainly up uh, really throughout the year, but particularly, I would think, in the next month or so with a lot of people uh, shopping for the holidays. 
Constable, yeah. thank you so much uh, for your time. Really appreciate you joining us this afternoon. No, thank you so much. Have a great day. You as well. Stay safe. And just a reminder that you can listen to the show live weekday afternoons from 1 till 3 Eastern. Just tune in at 640toronto.com. Also, find us on Spotify. Search my name, Jeff MacArthur, or download us wherever you find your favorite podcasts.